You're listening to a sermon by Covenant Church. Hey, everybody. I invite you to turn to Colossians. And it's page, we're going to look at page 894. There's Bibles under the chairs. You're free to take one of those Bibles. And we're going to continue this series in the book of Colossians. This is a young church that the Apostle Paul hasn't been able to visit because he's in prison. And he writes this letter for their maturity. So this is a, a letter to a young church that to help them continue to grow in Christ and to become mature followers of Jesus. And he's been saying things like, keep walking in the gospel you receive. Don't veer from it. Don't let other people add to it. He wants them to have full assurance of faith. He wants them to know everything that there is in Christ. This is what uh, we looked at last week, Colossians 2, starting in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We talked about last week how the gospel is something we receive, we don't achieve. You didn't earn your way into this. You didn't achieve it. Uh, salvation is a gift of grace. There's something to receive. And if you're new to faith, if you're exploring faith, this how this works. There's something to receive in God's grace. And also, there's a tendency in the human heart to switch systems, to act like we earned it. And there can be laws that we put on ourselves. There can be laws that we put on other people. Uh, actually, laws and other people, it's a bad kind of judgment. Bad judgment. Do you notice that uh, sinful human beings seem to enjoy a lot of recreational judging? We're into recreational judging. A lot of people, it's easy to judge others. When's the last time you looked at someone driving, you're like, I would never do that. I would never do that. What is this person doing? Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of... Uh, I wonder if some of the political polarization that's going on, there's a lot of things going on, just about different understandings of what's happening in the world, what's best. But also, isn't there a need, a sinful human need that's really destructive and actually the gospel undercuts to see ourselves as better than the other, the other team? These new Christians are being judged. And they kind of don't know what to do with it. Apostle Paul is going to say, look, let no one pass judgment on you. Based on this, just this human stuff. Let no one disqualify you. It's as if they're being seen as like second-class Christians. There's some bad judgment going on. Now, I'm going to read this passage. I just want to say this really quickly. Um, this passage is difficult. If you read the Bible and sections of the Bible, and you're like, this is hard to understand. If you find the whole Bible hard to understand, you are not alone. One of my kids actually called me this week. It was like, I've read this. I have no idea what this means. What is this? The Bible has always needed to be read in the context of a community. And there's actually always been, God has raised up teachers. And teachers are helped by other teachers. So some of the insight, like we have the history of God's people, to learn from. Some of the people I read 
with insights on this passage. We also spent their life studying the Bible. Some of them are alive. Some of them are dead. But we don't read the Bible alone. So the passage is difficult, but I want to ask you to tune in. If you tune in, you'll learn about how the Bible fits together. You'll learn about how the Old Testament actually points to the new and is fulfilled in the new, and you'll understand some deep things about how the gospel works. Okay, so we're going to look at two tr contrasts today, and I'm going to set up the first one just by, um, well, first, let me read this passage, starting with verse, six, starting with verse 16. Here we go. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. This is God's word. I'll define some of those words. Asceticism is harsh treatment of the body. And there's some judgment going on. I'm going to contrast. We're going to look at two contrasts. Let me just set up the first one. Okay, look at the beginning of this verse. Uh, Colossians 2.16, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you, questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. What is happening here? What is he talking about? Well, there is a lot of Old Testament laws and regulations. What were the purpose of these laws? Uh, what was being taught? How do they apply? What are these things? Let's look at a couple. So I'm going to go to Leviticus 11, and... There's, there's some laws here about what you can touch. Leviticus 11. And if any animal which you may eat dies, whoever touches its carcass shall be unclean until the evening. Whoever eats of the carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. And whoever carries the carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. So this is about what you can touch. And God taught... The regulations taught a separation from the clean and unclean. It doesn't just mean hygienically clean. It means ceremonially, like religiously clean. Are you clean in a way that is appropriate for you to draw near to God in the tabernacle? Are you clean and ready to worship? So there's a separation from clean and unclean, and you can see some of these laws made sense. Hey, do this, wash, if you touched a dead animal body. So not hard to get your head around. There's other laws about what you could eat. I'll continue in Leviticus 11. Every swarming thing that swarms on the ground is detestable, shall not be eaten, Whatever goes on its belly, whatever goes on all fours, whatever has many feet, any swarming thing that swarms in the ground, you shall not eat, for they are detestable. You shall not make yourselves detestable with any swarming thing that swarms. You shall not defile yourselves with them and become unclean through them. For I am the Lord your God. 
consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. So, again, this is about what they can eat, the clean, the unclean. We're talking about like centipedes, this, this kind of thing. And God is teaching about holiness. Holiness means, well, it's, pure, it's about purity. But when God says consecrate yourselves, it means set yourselves apart. Clean, unclean, holy, not holy. So laws about what you could touch, laws about what you could eat, and actually uh, explicit instructions about when to gather. So for, I'm going to go to First Chronicles. These are instructions for the Levites. And this is about the sacrifices and the, the special gatherings that they're to do. They were to stand every morning. The Levites were the worship leaders, okay? Stand every morning, thanking and praising the Lord, likewise at evening. And whenever burnt offerings were offered to the Lord on Sabbaths, new moons, and feast days, according to the number required of them regularly before the Lord. So instructions about when to gather, what to touch, what to eat. And all of these regulations are about drawing near to God and worship. It's all about how to draw near to God. Now, uh, please, I know this, this is like very foreign sounding to modern ears, but can we sympathize with new Christians here in the city of Colossae who are like, they're being told, hey, you got Jesus? Do you want to do the real stuff, though? Read this. Isn't this important? Hey, there's certain stuff you're not supposed to be able to touch, eat. There's some other festivals to celebrate that you don't know anything about. So how can the Apostle Paul say, let no one judge you? How can the Apostle Paul say, like, this, somehow act like this doesn't apply? This is the first contrast. Okay, I read it quick. We need to make sure we don't miss it. The first contrast, verse 17. These are a shadow of the things to come. The substance belongs to Christ. The first contrast is the shadow and the substance. And the word, the word for substance, it's a Greek word. Like in this context, it's the thing that causes the shadow. There's the shadow on the ground then there's the reality that causes the shadow. There's the shadowy things and the reality to which the shadowy things pointed. Now, one of the, uh, one of the rules for interpreting the meaning of the Bible is you go elsewhere in the Bible. And there's actually a really long sermon about how the New Testament fulfills the Old about how all the regulations in the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New Testament. That really long sermon is the book of Hebrews. And it's actually a lengthy, it's a lengthy sermon. And I'm going to read extensively from the book of Hebrews because it talks about the first covenant and the new covenant. Here we go. Um, Hebrews 9. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in his first room where the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Beside, 
Behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place. So it's a description of the tabernacle, which became the temple. There was a holy place and actually a most holy place. There's a description of the ongoing sacrifices. Some of the sacrifices were made daily. There was one sacrifice in the most holy place that was made only once a year and only by the high priest. So some daily sacrifices, some once a year sacrifices, all repeated sacrifices. Don't miss that. All the sacrifices were repeated again and again and again. Why? And there was no, there was no access for the people of God to the most holy place. It was clearly God was teaching the world. There was a separation from God's holiness and human sinfulness and brokenness. There was a separation, no access to the most holy place. Hebrews 9 goes on. Verse 9. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifice being gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink of various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. It's as if they weren't really able to finally cleanse the conscience, like the guilt cleanse the conscience of the worshiper. But they're only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations. It's almost as if they pointed something that had to happen definitively in the future, almost by saying, hey, we're doing this again and again in the hope that there would be the one day, the one sacrifice. Hebrews 10, the law, okay, that's to say the law, that's a, a summer, summary way of saying all the Old Testament regulations, these ceremonial laws. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. So there it is. Shadow and what's the coming reality. Verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So shadow of the sacrifices that are repeated, repeated, repeated. Reality, substance, the one sacrifice of Jesus. And Hebrews 10 then goes on this way, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, 
And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What is this saying? Uh, in Jesus, God has opened up the ultimate way to draw near to God. The ultimate way. In Jesus, we have the ultimate sacrifice for sin. The one-time sacrifice for sin. In Jesus, we have the ultimate priest who intercedes on our behalf and who's qualified to bring us into God's presence. All the shadows of the regulation, the shadow of the regulations or former laws have been superseded by the substance that belongs to Christ. Supersede means replaced with something better. Replaced with what now applies, which is the work of God in Jesus. And look, we don't experience God's presence fully yet, but we experience his presence truly. And in the light, okay, as the writer of Hebrews is writing, who's, who's someone who had seen the temple, who knows about the temple, and actually, you know what he talks about? He's like, actually, the worship of the people of God meeting together, that's where God is at now. That's how to draw near to God's presence. Meeting together, all considering how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So this is why the Bible speaks of God fulfilling the law and the prophets in Jesus. Uh, at the end of Luke, Luke takes a long walk and explains how the law and the prophets point to him. All God's promises are yes in Christ. Jesus fulfills everything that these uh, these regulations pointed to in eight to be completed. Let's go back to Colossians 2. And this is why, uh, so the next verse in Colossians 2, it's actually Colossians 2 verse 20, the Apostle Paul could say something like this. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why if you were, why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom and promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It's, a, it's as if Paul's saying, you died to that whole system. You don't need to submit to, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Okay. And actually, there's a, there's a vision given to the Apostle Peter about the, the animals that you used to not be allowed to eat. In the book of Acts, God tells the Apostle Peter explicitly, that has been changed. Don't call unclean what God has made clean. These laws are fulfilled in Christ. Now, um, let's go back to judging. Okay, so because remember this whole teaching, people are being judged and probably judging each other. 
they're being judged. And he flat out says, don't let anyone judge you. Because actually you have the substance in Christ. Don't be judged according to the food things. Don't be judged according to uh, the festivals, new mood, and Sabbaths. You have the substance of Jesus. Okay, one of the things that this means is, look, adding to the Word of God is a big deal. It's wrong. We're not allowed to add to what God actually says. Um, that counts when some Christians are like, we're going to say, okay, what's God, what's the New Testament say about alcohol? New Testament is very explicit about drunkenness. Don't get drunk. It's ungodly. It's unwise. Get you in trouble. The Bible's very consistent. But it's too much to forbid all alcohol use. Jesus turned water into wine. It's one of the things we're called to be responsible and godly with. It's actually wrong to add to the Bible saying what the Bible does not actually say. That's true if it's uh, a group of uh, churches doing that or if it's the Pope doing that, or someone claiming to speak for God, adding to what's explicitly in his word. We need to take very seriously as forgiven, redeemed people, what God says about our sexuality and about marriage and about forgiveness and about serving one another and about the purpose of our lives and about how to control our speech. We need to take very seriously what God is explicit about and also not add, do not add to the Bible. And the Apostle Paul says something to the Colossians, which also applies for us. If anyone's judged you about stuff that's actually not in the Bible, uh, don't be under that. Don't see yourself through that. Let no one judge you with things that are added to Scripture or with things that don't apply anymore. We live in the freedom of Christ. The substance of Jesus and what God's done for us of Jesus, the reality of Jesus, his sacrifice, he's the way to worship God. He is the way to worship God. He's the way we do worship God. That's the reality we live in. And there's another contrast going in. Okay, first a substance is shadow. The second contrast is the second one. Boastful claims of visions versus simple connection to Christ and his body. Boastful claims of visions versus simple connection to Christ and his body. Now, uh, I'm going to read this passage and then talk about how hard it is to translate. It has some interesting words. Listen to this passage. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, means harsh treatment of the body, in worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, not holding fast to the head, from whom a whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Now, some of the exact phrases, the meaning of them is debated, and very much so. In the, in the context, one scholar I read on this is like, some of these, the exact sense of this phrase is debated, but the ultimate point is super clear. Here's the kind of stuff that's debated. Is this worship of angels or is this worship by the angels? It's not clear grammatically. It could be like worshiping by the angels or 
you want to be helped by angels in your worship? So people are like, yeah. Maybe it's worship of the angels. That would be bad. That'd be idolatry or worship by the angels or worship alongside the angels. What's super clear, some folks are getting weird about angels. Paul's like, don't get weird about angels. Is it going into detail about the visions? Is it uh, some teachers going on and on about the visions and these hyper, hyper, hyper charismatic experiences they had? Uh, Look, I've had these visions. Wouldn't you like to have these visions? Or is it actually entering into the visions? Going into the visions, does it mean actually going into this altered spiritual state? Whatever it was, uh, the Apostle Paul is saying, look, here's a false fancy plan for growth. Here's the simple plan. The false fancy plan could have been influenced by these ancient mystery cults. There were these religions called the, the, they have become known as the mystery religions, and they were told, look, you can become a convert to this. We'll give you the beginner mysteries. And there's some later deep experiences to have to really uh, get in good with the God. You could actually, through these later mysteries, enter into the inner sanctuary where the God resides. There is different idols and gods. They had different names. And you could have an experience with the God. It's probably part of the reason why in um, Colossians, Paul emphasizes again and again, Jesus Christ is the mystery of God. Jesus Christ is the one in whom are hidden all the mysteries and the hidden treasures of knowledge and wisdom. Jesus Christ is the way to God and the way to be enlightened. And so there's a a false fancy plan for growth, which are these hyper, hyper, uh, a bad version of charismatic spiritual experience versus simple, the simple plan for growth. What's the simple plan for growth? You just look at the passage. He said, look, this other stuff leads you away from holding fast to the head. Okay, the head is Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. He's speaking about the Christian community that is the church. Speaking about, look, the plan is be connected with Jesus, and everyone needs to be connected with Jesus, and we're a Christian community together. There's different connections, joints and ligaments. We're connected to one another in the body of Christ, and we do simple things that cause us to grow. Uh, remember that the Hebrew passage ended that way? Don't forget to meet together. Remember that uh, in a couple weeks, I'm going to read this passage. In Colossians 3, there's just some really simple things about church life, okay? Really simple things about what being a Christian is and how you grow. And they're also supernatural. Listen to this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Means let the word of Christ dwell in you deeply teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
um, simple things. It's talking about groups. It's talking about a communal life where once in a while, we, you need to have times in your week where you gather with others around an open Bible and help each other in that. Pray for each other. That's the simple plan. It's not a complicated plan. It's not that false, fancy way. It's be connected to Christ and his people. Uh, at this church, and this, um, this, is a, this is the vision from Bob Myers, which is a great vision. Build community to reach a community. Actually, ministering to one another builds us up to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's true. It's God's plan. Do you know, may, it, uh, Mr. Lake referred to this earlier, um, do you know that the church is not this building? This building is a ministry tool, and it's a super helpful one. We use it all the time. The church is the, are the people who show up here to minister to each other, to be in God's presence together. Um, do you know that the, the old temple of the old covenant has been replaced by the new temple that's the people of Jesus meeting together? Listen to this, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. Through him, we both have access and one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Hey, God's plan for growth, I just want you to hear this really clear. God's plan for growth is to be connected to his son, Jesus, and be connected to his people. And his spirit is at work actually when we pray together, when we try to help each other, when the word is in us deeply and we gather around it, and speak about it and seek to apply it to our own lives and to each other's lives. God, let's believe in God's plan for growth. Um, it's actually, I'm trying to point this out because it's one of the hard things that they're, it's a hard thing to believe in this cultural moment. So the, the Apostles' Creed is a super old creed of the Christian church. It's been around for a couple thousand years. And there's a statement I believe in God the Father, right? And goes on, God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, okay? I believe in the Holy Spirit. And the second thing after the Holy Spirit is the holy universal church. That's what Catholic means. Catholic means universal. The holy Catholic universal church, actually. And, and right now, believing in God's plan for the church to be the community where you grow spiritually, we struggle to believe it. It's actually God's plan. I Look, uh, Jesus' number one command was to love each other. His plan for us is not to be lonely, but to flourish as human beings who are connected. God doesn't want us to be alone. He doesn't want us to do life alone. 
He doesn't want us to do spiritual growth alone. Let's believe in God's plan for growth, which is simple Christian community that's of the church and doing Christian things, expecting him to show up in it. Amen? Jesus is the substance. Let's not live under judgment. Let's not judge each other. Uh, let's live in the freedom of the gospel that God has brought us into and his son. And let's pursue the growth that he has for us. And this is for you. Look, that Ephesians 2 applies. It says, look, you might, you might have been a stranger or an alien. I want to say to you, to those, those of you exploring faith, no matter how far you are away from God, if you come to God in Christ, as he's offered to you, you don't even know how much you're in. We, and this applies to all of us, those of you who've been Christians for decades and decades, we would have been strangers and aliens. And look at the love of God. We who are far away have been brought near to God through Jesus. Let's grow in him. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the freedom of the gospel that you have brought us into. We praise you, Lord Jesus, the substance that all the former regulations pointed to. You are the reality that all the laws before hinted at and longed for. Uh, we thank you that we have access to God, and we pray that, Lord, we would worship um, by means of the gospel. We pray we'd live in the freedom of the gospel. We pray we'd believe in your normal means of growth, and we pray that we grow. Help us to, we pray that we as a community would help each other grow in Jesus this year. Uh, would you please do that? Hear our prayer, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Feel free to connect with us on our website at covenantsdwellstown.org to watch live on Sunday mornings. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook.